Volume 2, Chapter 9 of the Heidenmauer, or the Benedictines, a legend of the Rhine, by James Fedimore Cooper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Joel Kendrick. The Heidenmauer, by James Fedimore Cooper, Volume 2, Chapter 9. Masters, you ought to consider with yourselves. Midsummer Night's Dream. The constant moral sentinel that God hath set on watch in every man's breast, but which acts so differently in different circumstances, though perhaps in no condition of humiliation and ignorance does it ever entirely desert its trust, is sure to bring repentance with the sense of error. It is vain to say that this innate sentiment of truth, which we call conscience, is the mere result of opinion and habit, since it is even more apparent in the guileless and untrained child than in the most practiced man, and nature has so plainly set her mark upon all its workings as to prove its identity with the fearful being that forms the incorporeal part of our existence. Like all else that is good, it may be weakened and perverted or be otherwise abused, but, like everything that comes from the same high source, even amid these vicious changes, it will retain traces of its divine author. We look upon these unwearied monitor as a vestige of that high condition from which the race fell, and we hold it to be beyond dispute that precisely as men feel and admit its influence do they approach or recede from their original condition of innocence. The destruction of the abbey was succeeded by most of those signs which attend all acts of violence in degrees that are proportioned to previous habits. Even they who had been most active in accomplishing this long-meditated blow began to tremble for its consequences, and few in the Palatinate heard of the deed without holding their breaths like men who expected heaven would summarily avenge the sacrilege. But in order that the thread of the narrative should not be broken, we will return to our incidents in their proper order, advancing the time but a few days after the night of the conflagration. The reader will have to imagine another view of the Jägerthal. There was the same smiling sun and the same beneficent season. The forest was as green and waving, the meadows were as smooth and dark, the hillsides as bright beneath the play of light and shade, while the murmuring brook was as limpid and swift as when first presented to his eye in these pages. Not a hut or cottage was disturbed either in the hamlets or along the travel paths and the hold of Hartenburg still frowned in feudal power and baronial state, on the well-known pass of the mountains, gloomy, massive, and dark. But the hill of Limburg presented one of those sad and melancholy proofs of the effects of violence which are still scattered over the face of the old world, like so many admonitory beacons of the scenes through which its people have reached their present state of comparative security. Beacons that should be as useful in communicating lessons for the future as they are pregnant with pictures of the past. The outer wall remained unharmed, with the single exception of the principal gate, which bore the indelible marks of the smith's sledges. But above this barrier, the work of devastation appeared in characters not to be mistaken. Every roof, and there had been fifty, was fallen. Every wall, some of which were already tottering, was blackened, and not a tower pointed toward the sky that did not show marks of the manner in which the flames had wreathed around its slender shaft. Here and there a small thread of white smoke curled upwards, losing itself in the currents of the air, resembling so many of the lessening symptoms of a volcano after an explosion. A small crucifix, which popular rumor said was wood, but which, in fact, was of painted stone, 
still kept its place on a gable of the ruined church, and many a peasant addressed to it his silent prayers, firm in the belief that God had protected this image of his sacrifice throughout the terrors of the memorable night. In and about the castle there appeared the usual evidences of a distrustful watch, such ward as is kept by him who feels that he has justly become obnoxious to the hand of the constituted powers. The gates were closed, the sentinels on the walls and the bastions were doubled, and from time to time signals were made that communicated with lookouts so stationed on the hills that they could command views of the roads which led towards the Rhine beyond the gorge of the valley. The scene in Durkheim was different, though it also had some points of resemblance with that in the hold. There was the same apprehension of danger from without, the same watchfulness on the walls and in the towers, and the same unusual display of armed force. But in a town of this description, it was not easy to imitate the gloomy reserve of baronial state. The citizens grouped together in the streets, the women gossiped as in all sudden and strong cases of excitement, and even the children appeared to reflect the uneasiness and indecision of their parents. For as the hand of authority relaxed and their seniors most wandered idly and vaguely among the men, listening to catch such loose expressions as might enlighten their growing understandings. The shops were opened, as usual, but many stopped to discourse at the doors while few entered, and most of the artisans wasted their time in speculations on the consequence of the hardy step of their superiors. In the meantime, there was a council held in the town hall. Here were assembled all who had claim to civic authority in Durkheim, with some who appeared under the claim of their services in the late assault upon the monks. A few of the anxious wives of the burghers also were seen collected in the more public rooms of the building, for domestic influence was neither covert nor trifling in that uxorious and simple community. We shall resume the narrative within the walls of this municipal edifice. The burgomaster and other chief men were much moved by the vague apprehension which was the consequence of their hazardous experiment. Some were bold in the audacity of success. Some doubted merely because the destruction of the brotherhood seemed too great a good to come unmixed with evil. Some held their opinions in suspense, waiting for events to give a value to their predictions, and others shook their heads in a manner that would appear to imply a secret knowledge of consequences that were not apparent to vulgar faculties. The latter class was more remarkable for its pretension to exclusive merit than for numbers, and would have been equally prompt to exaggerate the advantages of the recent measure had the public pulse just then been beating on the access. But the public pulse was on the decline, and, as we have said, seeing and understanding all the advantages that were to be hoped from the defeat of Bonifacius, uncertainty quickened most imaginations in a manner to conjure disagreeable pictures of the future. Even Heinrich, who wanted for neither moral nor physical resolution, was disturbed at his own victory, though if questioned he would scarcely have told the reason why. This uneasiness was heightened by the fact that most of his compeers regarded him as the man on whom the weight of the churches and of the elector's displeasure was most likely to fall, though it is more probable that his situation would have been far less prominent had there been no question of any result but such as were agreeable. This sort of distinction, so isolated in defeat and so social in prosperity, is a species of revenge that society is very apt to take of all who pretend to be wiser or better than itself by presuming to point the way in cases of doubtful expediency or in presuming to lead the way in those that require decision and nerve. He alone is certain of an unenvied reputation who, in preceding the main body in the great march of events, leaves no very sensible space between him and his fellows, while he alone can hope for impunity, 
who keeps so near his backers as to be able to confound himself in the general mass when singularity brings comment and censure. Heinrich fully felt the awkwardness of his position, and just then he would gladly have compounded for less of the fame acquired by the bold manner in which he had led the attack, in order to be rid of some of his anxiety. Still, a species of warlike instinct led him to put the best face on the affair, and when he addressed his colleagues it was with cheerfulness in his tones, however little there might have been of that desirable feeling in his heart. Well, brethren, he said, looking around at the knot of well-known faces which surrounded him in the gravity of the civic authority, this weighty matter is at length, happily, and as it has been effected without bloodshed, I may say, peaceably over. The Benedictines are departed, and though the excellent abbot hath taken post in a neighboring abbey, whence he sends forth brave words to frighten those who are unused to more dangerous missiles, it will be long before we shall hear Limburg bell tolling in the Jägerthal. For that I can swear, said the smith, who was among the inferiors that crowded a corner of the hall, occupying as little space as possible in deference to their head men. My own sledge hath helped to put the fine-tuned instrument out of tune. We are now met to hear further propositions from the monks, but as the hour set for the arrival of their agent is not yet come, we can lighten the moments by such discourse as the circumstances may seem to require. Hast anything to urge that will ease the minds of the timid brother Wolfgang? If so, of God's name, give it utterance that we may know the worst at once. The affinity between Wolfgang and Heinrich existed altogether in their civic relations. The former, although he coveted the anticipated advantages that were to result from the downfall of Limburg, had a constitutional deference for all superior power and was unable to enjoy the triumph without the bitterest misgivings concerning the displeasure of the elector and Rome. He was aged, too, a fact that served to heighten the tremor of tones that, by a very general convention, are termed raven. It is wise to call upon the experienced and wise for counsel in pressing straits, returned the old burgher. For years teach the folly of everything human, inclining us to look at the world with moderation and with less love for ourselves and our interests. Brother Wolfgang, thou art not yet yielding so fast as thou wouldest have us believe, interrupted Heinrich, who particularly disliked any discouraging views of the future. Thou art but a boy. The difference between us cannot be greater than some five and twenty years. Not that, not that. I count but three and seventy, and thou mayest fairly number fifty and five. Thou heapest honors on me I little deserve, friend Wolfgang. I shall not number the days that thou namest these many months, and time marches fast enough without any Phillips from us to help him. If I have yet seen more than fifty-four, may my fathers arise from their graves to claim the little they left behind when they took leave of earth. Words will make me neither young, but I could wish we had found means to lay this unquiet spirit of Limburg without so much violence and danger to ourselves. I am old, and I have little interest in life, except to see those who will come after me happy and peaceful. Thou knowest that I have neither chick nor child, neighbor Heinrich and the heart of such a man can only beat for all. Twere indeed folly in me to think of much else than of that great future which lies before us. Sapperment, exclaimed the smith, who was disposed to presume a little on the spirit he had shown in the late attack. 
Worshipful Burgomaster, were Master Wolfgang to deal out some of his stores a little freely to the Benedictines, the whole affair might be quietly settled and Durkheim would be a great gainer. I warrant you now that Bonifacius would be glad to receive a well-told sum in gold, without question or farther account, in lieu of his lodgings in Fahren Limburg, of which he was only a life tenant at best. At least such had been my humor, and it had pleased heaven to have made me a Benedictine and Bonifacius a smith. And where is this gold to be had? bold-speaking artisan, demanded the aged burgher severely. Where? But from your untouched stores, venerable Wolfgang, answered the single-minded smith. Thou art old, father, and, as thou truly sayest, without offspring. The hold of life is getting loose, and to deal with thee in frankness I see no manner in which the evil may be so readily turned from our town. Peace, senseless talker. Dost think thy betters have no other employment for their goods than to cast them to the winds as thy sparks scatter to the strokes of the sledge? The little I have hath been gained with sore toil and much saving, and it may yet be needed to keep want and beggary from my door. Nay, nay, when we are young we think the dirt may be turned to gold. Hot blood and lusty limbs cause us to believe man equal to any labor, ay, even to living without food. But when experience and tribulation have taught us truth, we come to know neighbors the value of pence. I am a long-living stock, heaven help us, and there is greater likelihood of my yet becoming a charge to the town than my ever doing a tithe of that this heedless smith hath hinted. By St. Benedict, Master, I hinted not. What I said was in plain words, and it is this, that one so venerable for his years and so respected for his means might do great good in this strait. Such an act would sweeten the few days thou yet hast. Get thee away, fellow! Thou talkest of death, and it were a joke. Do not the young go to their graves as well as the old? And are there not instances of thousands that have outlived their means? No, I much fear that this matter will not be appeased without mulcting the artisans in heavy sums. But happily most that belong to the crafts are young and able to pay. The reply of the smith, who was getting warm in a dispute in which he believed all the merit was on his own side, was cut short by a movement among the populace who crowded the outer door of the townhouse. The burghers seemed uneasy as if they saw a crisis was near, and then a beadle announced the arrival of a messenger from the rooted community of Limburg. The civic authorities of Durkheim, although assembled expressly with the expectation of such a visit, were, like all men of but indifferently regulated minds, taken by surprise at the moment. Nothing was digested, no plan of operations had been proposed, and although all had dreamed for several nights of the very subject before them, not one of them all had thought upon it. Still, it was now necessary to act, and after a little bustle, which had no other object than an idle attempt to impose upon the senses of the messenger by a senseless parade, orders were given that the latter should be admitted. The agent of the monks was himself a Benedictine. He entered the hall, attended only by the city guard, who had received him at the gate with his cowl so far drawn upon his head as to conceal the features. There was a moment of curiosity, and the name of Father Siegfried was whispered from one another as each judged of the man by the exterior. "'Uncover of heaven's mercy, Father,' said Heinrich, "'and seat thyself as freely in the town hall of Durkheim as if thou wert at thine ease in the ancient cloisters of Limburg. We are lions in the attack, but harmless as thy marble cherubs, when there is not occasion for your true manly qualities. So take thy seat, of God's name, and be of good cheer, none will harm thee.' The voice of the burgomaster lost its confidence as he concluded. The Benedictine was calmly removing the cowl, and when the cloth fell, it exposed the respected features of Father Arnoff. 
He that comes in the service of him I call master needeth not this assurance, answered the monk. Still I rejoice to find ye in this mood, and not bent on maintaining an original error by further outrages. It is never too late to see our faults, nor yet to repair them. I cry thy mercy, holy prior. We had taken thee for a very different member of the fraternity, and thou art not less welcome for being him thou art. Heinrich arose respectfully, and his example was followed by all present. The prior seemed pleased, and a glow like that which a benevolent hope creates passed athwart his countenance. With perfect simplicity he took the offered stool as the least obtrusive manner of inducing the burghers to resume their seats. The experiment produced the effect he intended. I should pretend to an indifference I do not feel, were I to say, Heinrich Frey, that I come among you, men to whom I have often administered the rites of the church, during long and watchful years, without the wish to find that my ministrations are remembered. If there dwelleth knave in Durkheim whose heart hath not been touched by thy good works, father, the hound is without bowels and unfit to live amongst honest people. Most true, exclaimed the smith in his audible byplay. The burgomaster doth us all justice. I never struck spark from iron more freely than I will render respect to the most reverend prior. His prayers are like tried steel, and next to those of him of the hermitage are in most esteem among us. Fill me an abbey with such men, and for one, I shall be ready to trust all our salvation to their godliness, without thought or concern for ourselves. Sapperment! Could such a community be found? It would be a great relief to the layman, and more particularly to your artisan, who might turn all his thoughts to his craft with the certainty of being watched by men capable of setting the quickest-witted devil at defiance. Arnoff listened to this digression with patience, and he acknowledged the courtesy and friendliness of his reception by a slow inclination of the head. He was too much accustomed to hear those temporal applications of the spiritual interests of which he was a minister, to be surprised at anything, and he was too meek on the subject of his own deserving to despise any because they were weaker than himself. The Christian religion seems to be divided into two great classes of worshippers, those who think its consolations are most palpable in their direct and worldly form, and those whose aspirations are so spiritualized and whose thoughts are so sublimated as to consider it a metaphysical theory in which the principal object is to preserve the logical harmony. For ourselves, we believe it to be a dispensation from God to those of his creatures who are fearfully composed of the material and immaterial, and that so far as it is connected with our probation here, it is never to be considered as entirely distinct from one or the other of the great attributes of our nature. It is evident that such were not the views of the honest smith. And it is probable, had the matter been thoroughly sifted, it would have been found that, as respects Durkheim, he was altogether of the popular party. Thou comest, father, like the dove to the ark, the bearer of the olive branch, resumed Heinrich, though for our northern regions a leaf of the oak would more likely have been the emblem, had Ararat been one of those well-wooded hills of ours. I come to offer the conditions of our brotherhood and to endeavor to persuade the misguided in Durkheim to accept them. The holy abbots, with the right reverend fathers in God, the bishops of Spires and Verms, now assembled in the latter city, have permitted me to be the bearer of their terms, an office I have sought lest another should forget to entreat and influence and the desire to menace. Gott, beware! Thou hast done well, as is thy wont, excellent Arnoff. Threats are about as useful with Durkheim as holy water is in our Rhenish, both being well enough in their places, but he that cannot be driven must be led, and liquor that is right good in itself needeth no flavor from the church. 
As for this old misunderstanding between Limburg of the one side and the noble court of Hartenburg, with our unworthy town of the other, the matter may be said to be now of easy adjustment, since the late events have cleared it of its greatest difficulty. And so, from my heart, I wish thee joy of thy mission, and felicitate the town that it hath to treat with one so skillful and reasonable. Thou wilt find us in a friendly humor, and ready to meet thee halfway, for I know not the man in Durkheim that desireth to push the controversy a foot further, or who is not at heart content. No, that would be out of reason and charity, said the smith, speaking again among the auditors. We ought to show these Benedictines an example of moderation, neighbors, and therefore for one, though no better than a poor artisan that gaineth his bread by blows on the anvil, do I agree with the worshipful Heinrich, and say, of God's name. Let us be reasonable in our demands and be content with as little as may be in the settlement of our dispute. The prior listened patiently as usual, but a hectic glowed for an instant on his cheek. It disappeared, and the benevolent blue eye was again seen shining amid features that the cloister and the closet had long since robbed of all other bloom. Ye know, brothers of Durkheim, he answered, that in assailing the altars of Limburg ye set a double power at defiance, that of the church, as it is constituted and protected on earth, and that of God. My errand at this moment is to speak of the first. Our father of Worms is sorely angered, and he has not failed to address himself directly and promptly to our father at Rome. In addition to this reverend appeal, messengers have been dispatched to both the elector and emperor, as well as to divers of the ecclesiastical princes, who rule on the banks of the Rhine. This is a fearful array of power to be met by a mountain baron in a city whose walls can be measured by the leg in so short a time, but chiefly would I lay stress on the evil that may flow from the displeasure of the head of the church. And should he read the late exploit with severity, Reverend Pryor, what are we to look to as its fruits? To be denounced as excluded from the fold, and to be left to the wickedness and folly of your own hearts. In a word, excommunication. Oomph! This might prove a short way of recruiting the followers of Brother Luther. Thou knowest, Holy Arnoff, that men look more and more closely every day into these disputed points. Would that they looked with more humility and understanding. If ye consider the denunciations and benedictions of him to whom has been confided the authority to bless and to curse as of little weight, no words of mine can heighten their effect. But all among ye who are not prepared to go the length that your burgomaster hath just hinted may deem it prudent to pause, ere they incur the heavy risk of living under such a weight of heaven's displeasure. The burghers regarded each other in doubt few among them being yet prepared to push resistance so far. Some inwardly trembled, for habit and tradition were too strong for the new opinions. Some shrewdly weighed the temporal rather than the spiritual consequences, and others ruminated on the possibility of enduring the anathema in so good company. There are thousands that are willing to encounter danger in large bodies, who shrink from its hazards alone. And perhaps the soldier goes to the charge quite as much stimulated by the sympathy of association as he is sustained by the dread of shame or the desire of renown. The civic counselors of Durkheim now found themselves in some such plight, and each man felt assurance or doubt, much as he happened to meet with either of those feelings expressed in the eyes of his neighbor. "'Have ye any less godly proposition to make?' asked Heinrich, who perceived that the moral part of his civic support began to waver. For these are points in which we are better skilled than on those that touch your doctrinal niceties. I am commanded to say that as becomes their divine office, the Brotherhood of Limburg is disposed to pardon and forget inasmuch as duty will allow the late act of Durkheim on conditions that may be named. 
Hi, this is Christian Like, and we'll meet with a ready return in our dispositions. On our side too, Holy Prior, there is every wish to forget the past, and to look only to a quiet and friendly future. Do I interpret the intentions of the town well, my neighbors? To the letter, no clerk could do it better. Yes, we are of the community's mind. It is wise to live at peace and to pardon and overlook. We're ready answers to this appeal. Thou hearest, Father, a better mood no minister or messenger need wish. For heaven we are all of one mind in this particular, and I know not that the man would find safety in Durkheim who should talk of aught but peace. It is to be mourned that ye have not always been of this humor. I come not, however, to reproach, but to reclaim, not to defy, but to persuade, not to intimidate, but to convince. Here are the written propositions of the holy divines by whom I am charged with this office of mediator and I leave it for a time to your private consultations. When ye shall have well digested this fit offer, I will come among ye in peace and friendliness. The written proposals were received, and the whole assembly rose to do the prior honor. As the latter left the hall, he asked permission of several of the burghers, among whom was Heinrich Frey, to visit their families in the spirit of Christian guardianship. The desired consents were obtained without demur or doubt on the part of any, for whatever may be said or thought of the errors of public opinion, it is usually right where the means are possessed of at all giving it a true direction. The high estimation in which Arnoff was held by the mere force of popular instinct was never more plainly seen than on the present occasion when even those who had so lately warred against the community threw open their doors without reserve. Though it was well known that the late policy of the town had many a secret enemy and many a bitter commentator in that sex which is sometimes as slow to incite to violence and resistance as at others it is thoughtless and hasty. End of Volume 2 Chapter 9 Read by Joel Kendrick